RTHK News. It's one o'clock on Ben Che, the top stories. A former government minister says it may be time for Hong Kong to revisit democratic reforms as one way to tackle what he called a governance crisis. A pro-democracy lawmaker says the protests will continue unless the government talks face-to-face with protesters. And President Trump says he pulled out of a planned attack on Iran after he was told it would kill 150 people. Former Transport and Housing Secretary Anthony Zhang says the government faces the most serious governance crisis since the handover, adding that it's time to address what he calls fundamental defects in the city's political system and look at democratic reform. Mr. Zhang says it's a major concession on the part of the government to effectively put aside the contentious extradition bill, but many protesters are still unsatisfied. He says the administration needs to really listen to the public to find out why some people are so unhappy. And he says one solution is to further democratize the city. Hong Kong is facing a very serious governance crisis. And the reason for that is not just related to the uh, Fugitive Offenders uh, Amendment Bill uh, issue, but has to do with the fundamental defects of our political system. So I think uh, it is time to reflect on those defects and uh, in order to take Hong Kong forward. Definitely, uh, part of the uh, solution is to review the political structure and further democratization, I think, is unavoidable. The former minister also backed calls for an independent commission of inquiry into the June 12th protests, saying he thinks it would help ease social tensions. Speaking after a radio program, Mr. Zheng says the public trusts the inquiry system, and it's a mechanism that the government often uses for major issues, citing the fatal ferry collision off Lama Island in 2012, the tainted water incident in 2015, and the construction scandal on the MTR's shot into Central Link. But Mr. Zhang says any probe should not target the police, but should look at what happened throughout the extradition saga. In my view, given the current tensions, the current mistrust of the police, uh, and on on the other hand, the police feel very much at at the center of the controversy, which is not of its own making. The police also feels aggrieved. So in order to uh, achieve reconciliation, in, in such a critical moment, I think a, a commission inquiry uh, to be presided by an experienced judge would help to, to bring society together and then in the process to find out the truth and at the same time to achieve reconciliation. Council front lawmaker Chu Hoi Dick says he doesn't think protests over the extradition bill are out of hand, arguing that protesters who surrounded the police headquarters in Wan Chai yesterday weren't violent and there were no arrests. But he warned that the situation will remain tense unless the government genuinely responds to people's demands. He said this included withdrawing the legislation, not classifying the June 12th protest as a riot, and setting up an inquiry to investigate both the mass protests that day and the government's handling of the whole extradition bill issue. If the government still choose to not responding, choose to only have a press release, then I don't think the Hong Kong citizen will just back down and stop coming out. So I think protesters are considerate. Protesters will uh, try our best um, not to create a unacceptable nuisance to the public. But at the same time, we think the only way to solve this problem 
is the government to back down, not the protesters. But Liberal Party lawmaker and executive councillor Tommy Jung says he doesn't think an independent inquiry would help resolve conflicts in society, adding that some things are beyond an inquiry, such as whether Beijing demanded that the SCR government table the extradition bill. Meanwhile, New People's Party lawmaker Eunice Yong said there's an established mechanism to look into complaints against the police. Justice Secretary Theresa Cheng has followed the Chief Executive Carrie Lam's example and publicly apologized over the government's handling of the extradition bill. She told reporters she was sorry for the shortcomings in the government's handling of the matter, which has polarized society. She stressed that there's no timetable to bring back the legislation back to LegCo. Commenting on the calls for the government to stop calling the June 12th protests a riot, she said this would not affect the work of prosecutors. RTHK, the time is now five minutes past one. President Trump has said he doesn't want a war with Iran, but that if a conflict did occur, it would result in obliteration. Speaking on NBC News, Mr. Trump said he pulled out of a planned attack on Iran after he was told it would result in the deaths of 150 people. It follows the shooting down of an American drone. The BBC's Chris Buckler reports. Having stepped back from the edge of conflict... President Trump is now having to develop a new strategy to deal with Iran. There are still concerns in Washington about potential attacks in the Gulf. And there's no doubt that some senior members of his administration had been pushing for military action, only to have the strike scrapped at the very last minute. Mr Trump continues to raise the possibility of talks. But even the idea of negotiations has been dismissed by Iranian officials, while the US continues to enforce sanctions. The Supreme Court in the United States has thrown out an African-American man's murder conviction and death sentence because of efforts by a Mississippi prosecutor to have him tried by an all-white jury. The court ruled that, the Cur- that Curtis Flowers had been denied the right to a fair trial. The BBC's Will Leonardo reports. Curtis Flowers was found guilty of a quadruple murder in 2010 by an overwhelmingly white jury and sentenced to death. He'd been tried five times before. Three convictions were thrown out and two trials resulted in a hung jury. In its verdict overturning the result of the sixth trial, the Supreme Court noted that the white prosecutor, Doug Evans, had in each case deliberately dismissed potential black jurors. The court's majority opinion, read by Donald Trump's most recent appointee, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, said the prosecutor had engaged in dramatically disparate questioning with the prospective jurors based on race. Police have been called to a London home of Boris Johnson, the frontrunner to be Britain's next prime minister, after a loud argument was heard. The Guardian newspaper said a neighbour reported a row involving screaming and banging at the address. The BBC's Chris Mason has more details. The Metropolitan Police said it answered a call at just after midnight yesterday from a local resident concerned for the welfare of a female neighbour. Officers spoke to all occupants of the address, who were all safe and well, a statement said, adding there were no offences or concerns apparent and there was no cause for police action. As for his reaction, a spokesman for Mr Johnson said no comment, but did not deny the alleged incident. In a contest where character as well as policy will be under scrutiny, these are headlines Boris Johnson could do without. To sports now, and with a preview of this weekend's Women's Football World Cup action, here's the BBC's Nick Hatton. 
Now comes the tension of the all-or-nothing knockout stages of the Women's World Cup. 16 teams remain, so who could be causing a shock on their way to the quarterfinals? Nigeria scraped through as one of those finishing third in their group. They face the huge task of former champions Germany. If they can progress, that will be one of the biggest shocks in the tournament's history. Then comes one which could be too close to call. Australia have enjoyed an impressive tournament so far. They face a solid Norway side. The form, though, of Alex Kerr could be the difference for the Aussies. Cameroon's late win against New Zealand sees them face England, one of the tournament favourites. This is a real clash of styles and one that could really pose an upset should England not be on their game. The host France, they started the tournament well but dipped in their remaining games. They'll need to be at their best when they face Brazil and the World Cup record goal scorer Marta. Things look quite rosy for the holders USA. They face a Spain side who don't score many but don't concede either while Sweden take on Canada. Then Italy, probably the most surprising team of the tournament so far, face China. And how do you choose between Netherlands and Japan? Last year's finalists playing very, very well against the Netherlands side who are impressing with their style and flair. So much excitement to come. To the Africa Cup of Nations, where 24 countries will compete over the next four weeks to be crowned Africa's football champions. The hosts, Egypt, won the first match of the tournament, beating Zimbabwe 1-0 in what the BBC's John Bennett says was a forgettable game. The game really didn't live up to expectations, and in the second half, Zimbabwe made it difficult for Egypt. It never really looked as though Zimbabwe would get the equaliser, but there were a few nervy moments, and I don't think the 75,000 fans in the Cairo International Stadium will be totally satisfied with the performance. They'll need to improve Egypt for their next game against DR Congo. But when you start a tournament, particularly when you're the host, you just want to get underway with a win to take the pressure off. And they've got the three points, and in the end, that's all that matters. And to end the news, the top stories again. A former government minister says it may be time for Hong Kong to revisit democratic reforms as one way to tackle what he called a governance crisis. A pro-democracy lawmaker says the protest will continue unless the government talks face-to-face with protesters. And President Trump says he pulled out of a planned attack on Iran after he was told it would kill 150 people. The news from RTHK. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself in the chair till 3 p.m. This week we have two atypical musical themes on offer. First, our featured album, re-edited debut album from Cape Verde's new diva Lucy Bella. And hot new hits from the Paris chart specifically, with not a few newcomers in the mix. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian, we're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with our featured album, re-released or re-edited debut album by Lucy Bella. We actually featured this last year. There's some changes in the mix, quite a few surprises. We'll get to that. And we start off with the first track, which also happened to be the first single that she released last year off the album. It's been re-edited. Lucy Bella, full name Lucy Bella Freitas dos Santos from Tarrafal on the island of São Nicolau in Cape Verde, now based in Portugal. Uh, and the album famously was uh, produced, arranged, and uh, had guitar and cavaquinho performed by Toy Vieira. So here's Lucy Bella with the very first track, Chica di Niamanina, 
which I believe in uh, the Portuguese Creole of Cape Verde means the girl of the morning.